today I would like to start our conversation with a few inspirational words from Haruki Murakami. I love his thought that learning another language is like becoming another person. Hello, podcast friends. I'm Anastasia Eliseeva, communication specialist and your host of the IT Coffee Break. I would like to say hello to Rachel O'Brien and welcome her to IT Coffee Break. Hello, everyone. Uh, such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining us today. Rachel has an exciting life. Born in Great Britain, she studied in Cambridge, and after her studies, she moved to Krakow, Poland, and she has been living there for almost 20 years, Rachel, right? Yeah, that's true. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> so you've been experiencing this possibility of becoming another person while talking Polish, right? Definitely. I sometimes wonder if I'm a bit like two personalities. I have my one when I'm speaking Polish and one when I'm speaking English. And for more than four and a half years, Rachel has been helping e-commerce to speak English nicely and to make English a strong communication skill. So Rachel is our English trainer at ePAM and before some series missed banking about using English at work, I would like to play a quick this or that game, Rachel. How does it sound? Sounds exciting. Okay, then let me explain some rules here. I ask and you choose one answer you like the most between the two. So, ready? Okay, I'm ready. Five o'clock tea or morning coffee? <laughs> Both. Is that an option? <laughs> it is, definitely it is. And I think you are the second person who uses this option, you know. A provocative one, shepherd's pie or pierogi? Oh, you know, I think I'd have to go for pierogi. Okay, and for those who don't know, pierogi is a traditional Polish dish and shepherd's pie is a traditional British dish. So it was really provocative here and pierogi win. City or countryside? I guess um, probably city, although I really like the countryside. So let's say city. Oh, I would ask here what city maybe? Well, I think that, um, you know, given I came to Krakow for a few months and then I've been here for 20 years, it would have to be Krakow. Moving on, swimming or running? Definitely swimming. And uh, the last one, Harry Potter or Hobbit? Harry Potter. I think Harry he's Potter. a bit easier. Thank you. And I would ask you, what's your absolute guilty pleasure? You know, I think my guilty pleasure would have to be, um, you know, like a lot of people, chocolate. And is there any fun fact about you most people don't know? Oh, my gosh. A fun fact about me. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I do speak Polish and I try to speak Polish, you know, at every opportunity that I have. And that can be quite funny. <laughs> So that's maybe a fun fact. The last one, what I've prepared for you would be a riddle, Rachel. Oh. So uh, I've been exploring the possibilities and playing with English uh, letters. And what do you think is the shortest word in the English language that contains the letters A, B, C, D, E, F? Oh, my gosh. Fed something. Fed, absolutely. Is it? Practically. The first oh part is fit and the second, if you just play with BCA. Head back. You're the winner of the riddle. So thank you so much. So yeah. And with that, we've done our, you know, breaking ice part. 
and getting to the serious one, we are getting to the myth busting. And um, I would like to start with the first myth, you know. So EPALM is a tech company. And of course, English is the language of the international IT community and the official language of EPAM. However, you know, sometimes I get something like C++, Python, Java, and SQL are my only foreign languages I really need at work. How would you react to this, Smith? I mean, I think that it's a real talent to be able to, um, you know, uh, function in those languages. I think As somebody who doesn't know them, I would say that you can probably communicate with a much more limited number of people in them. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that being able to uh, communicate well with other people is also a skill that we we need. And especially these days in these times which are, you know, rapidly changing and our daily life in some senses is becoming more global or we meet people from different parts of the world, then I think we need something more than that. Absolutely agree. And uh, what would you say, which do English and coding have in common besides the operas that they are both languages? And as you mentioned, with one, you could communicate with more people than with the other. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I mentioned, I'm not an expert on coding, but I can see that both of them have got um, quite a clear logic in them. And so in that sense, I can imagine that if you can do coding, then learning English or another language might be that bit easier. I would ask here, what kind of English do we really speak in IT? What's an IT English like? Well, I mean, I guess that we... You know, we need to be able to um, communicate with the rest of our team. And also sometimes we need to be able to write documentation with procedures and this kind of thing. But I'd say in another equally important part is being able to become like friends with your teammates. Yeah. So this is, a, I think, a really um, special part of, you know, being in a, a company like EPAM and um, working in IT and people become very good friends and I think that's a great thing. Absolutely. I think it's one of the most exciting opportunities at work that you, as you mentioned, can work on a daily basis and communicate on a daily basis with people from all over the world. And so talking about this myth, would you say that it's a myth? I think it's a myth. So we've debunked the first one very well and that brings um, my next question about you know, the difference between pronunciation and accent. What are your recommendations here? When is it really necessary to pay attention and um, where we maybe we can just you know not overthink it? I mean I think that um, this is an aspect of English which is challenging not only for people who are learning English, but actually, you know, I was born in England. <laughs> it's a challenge for me too. In that sense, it's a very interesting language that there's so much variety. But I think that um, we're very lucky there's an international standard of pronunciation, yeah, which across the globe people are using. So this is, you know, what I would call uh, the international phonetic alphabet. And this gives us kind of like we can be sure that if we're using something like this with our English that we're pronouncing in a standard way because having an accent is fine I mean you know we've all got a different accent I have an accent um, when I go to the north of Britain and visit my family I've got a different accent yeah so I think accents are actually lovely things 
But what we do need to make sure is if we work with somebody from a different part of the world, then we can communicate, you know, clearly by using a kind of a general standard of pronunciation in English. I think you've made my day definitely and the day of our audience by mentioning that, uh, you know, it's challenging for you as well, being a native speaker. Yeah, well, definitely. I think, you know, especially, I don't know, I mean, in Britain, there are so many different accents. You automatically, you become somebody kind of that listens and adapts to the person that we're speaking to. I mean, obviously not in any false way. You don't want somebody to think that you're trying to like copy them like a parrot. But I think that um, having this ability to really like listen to the flow and rhythm of English and then match that other person does help you kind of build um, better working relations and friendships and things like this. Uh, listening and adapting. Thank you so much uh, for uh, this advice. Do we have some kind of EPUM slang? You know, every now and then uh, somebody will write something to me and they'll write some kind of acronym like BFN would be bye for now. Yeah. And I don't understand what all of them are either. So I guess that As you know, in our teams and when we're working in small groups, we automatically create our, in a sense, a little bit of an adaptation of our language, which is a really nice thing. Yeah. And probably this is where these things come from. Yeah, because it's a little bit easier and we communicate um, uh, together using that. So I think they're a nice thing. But I guess sometimes then somebody else might know what it means. So we need to be able to kind of explain what our slang is. Do you have an example? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I have to say that being an English teacher for quite a number of years now, I've done my best to remove slang words from my <laughs> from my vocabulary because I'm always aware that if Rachel says something, then somebody might copy it, yeah, and it might not be appropriate for them. So I have to say that I try to avoid using them <laughs> completely. Um, so we're not getting any IT slack from Rachel today. Okay. Unfortunately, yeah, I'm not good on that one. <laughs> I also, you know, get a lot of these interesting ideas that nowadays you can learn the language with the help of artificial intelligence. And so it's like, you know, the best way of subconscious training of English skills, or you can, you know, just communicate with your personal assistant. I mean, uh, this tech personal assistant. Mm-hmm, And yeah. what do you think about that? Well, I think it's great that there is this option, yeah, to have these kind of um, assistant type apps that we have. However, um, I think that also, I don't know, I sometimes think about myself in that I like to think that everything should be easy. I think this is a bit of a human tendency. <laughs> Maybe somebody's going to do it for me. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a missed opportunity, yeah, really, when we think about it. Uh, and um So I think that's actually, um, you know, it's a good thing to challenge ourselves a bit. And this way we can bring out our potential. So I have to say that I guess that they do have a function, um, these tools. And I think they're a very nice thing to have. But you need a range of different things to really become good at language. Okay, not learning, but usage. Yeah, being able to use it. You need to have um, contact with authentic English if we're talking about English. Yeah. So that's my kind of general thought. So I guess it's a myth is my probably a myth. 
I would like to ask you about this contact with authentic English. Mm. What are your recommendations here? Because I guess small moments can have great power. Could you please share maybe three or five ideas or small habits that we somehow could incorporate in our daily routine and to have this great progress in English at work by using English, not just learning because you can learn forever, as mentioned, but we use it for communication, for clear communication. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have to say that I feel very fortunate, um, you know, being a language trainer. Um, and it's amazing what people achieve. Yeah, so... To be honest, you know, it's my students that inspire me as what is achievable. And I, oh, of course, I make suggestions, but I watch the results that people have. And I have to say that people that get to sort of like an advanced level of English or even very, very advanced level of English um, have some kind of passion um, for doing something in English. So it might be, you know, reading novels in English Or it could be um, listening to something that they're interested in, in English. And I think that that's, um, you know, kind of having a bit of a passion for something that you're enthusiastic about is very important. So my suggestion is that you find something that you're really interested in and enjoy doing in English and do it. And, you know, one of the best things that you can do is do lots of listening to authentic materials in English Um, so that's one of my tips, I think. Anything else here? And I would say that, you know, people that are really good at English, you know, it's, life isn't a marathon. So, you know, sometimes we feel like we're learning English and it's um, all doing something else. And the race seems very long. The goal seems very far away. Yeah. So another thing I suggest is treating it more like a series of short races. <laughs> yeah. And some of these races we might win and some we might lose. In other words, what I'm saying is set yourself something that is a realistic and short and practical goal. So, for example, it could be uh, listening to um, a podcast from the BBC for six minutes each day and set yourself that goal. Yeah. Now, even if you can't concentrate properly, you can always do that again. Or another thing is buying yourself a contemporary novel in English and reading it for five minutes before you go to sleep or at a time of day that suits you, even if it's only one paragraph. And that way, even, you know, by these little bits of moving a centimeter forward each day, then that is when the real progress um, starts to happen. So that, that would be one of my biggest recommendations, I think. I love that. Thank you so much. It makes sense that, for example, if you're passionate about gaming, if you do the role playing in English, it definitely skyrockets your English, right? Definitely. It, uh, what I wanted to ask you here, plot up effect. And so people tend to say, I'm not good at languages. I'm embarrassed to speak English at work to pass the job interview at IPAM, to pass English assessment, to present something to a native speaking client, etc., etc. So what would you recommend here? And as usual, is it a myth or maybe it's a truth? I mean, I think that this is a very normal thing. In every, what, whichever language you're learning, you're going to feel like this at some point. And you may have a phase when you feel like that regularly. 
I mean, when I think of my journey with learning Polish, definitely, and I still have days like that. However, I think that, um, you know, the wonderful thing about um, EPAM is that it really does have this great um, culture of learning, which really has really impressed me over the few years I've been here. You know, there is that support. If you if you have that kind of like feeling, the best thing to do is to sign up on a course. We have a lot of internal courses for in English for different purposes. And, um, you know, you're able to go through all the different aspects of learning English in a different way, probably, than you did, say, when you were at school. Yeah. Learning English is changing all the time. I mean, since the beginning of the pandemic, it's also going through another revolution um, of, you know, the way it's taught and, you know, changing the goals of what is like the most effective way to to help somebody. So I don't think that there is such a thing that, you know, I can't, you know, learn a language. Yeah, this is my, as, as somebody that trains people, I, I believe that everybody has this potential. It's just a case of waking it up. And as a trainer, that's one of my functions to help people wake up to that kind of power that they have in them. So, you know, it's a, it's a difficult journey to do alone is is what I'm saying. Um, and sometimes you need to or in fact, it is essential to have this going into a group, learning systematically together. And it's also a lovely process as well, because you make friends and you discover that it's not quite as, you know, difficult or daunting as it as it looks. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, all the trainers uh, that we do have are really with the aim of helping that person to be able to function in the realities of life on their project and language assessment when they meet, you know, a business client in the in the kitchen by coincidence, you know, when you're mixing with your friends from work and that kind of thing. So, yeah, my advice is to go for it. So it seems like an awesome is debunked, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> and a lot of questions I have right now, right now, Rachel. You have opened a Pandora box, sorry. <laughs> so the revolution of learning language learning since pandemic. And my favorite question would be, what changed for the better for you? How does it function at EPAM right now? Yeah, I mean, for me, well, basically what happened previously is most of us were having face-to-face -face lessons in the places that we were located in. And that was really great, yeah kind of in a more more of a traditional style um although there were already quite a lot of online ways that you could improve your english then but in a sense the um you know the pandemic is it's either a big challenge or a big opportunity and of course it's both but i prefer to see it as a big opportunity so for example these days i run courses online uh you know we have sessions and I'm able to have a class with people from several different countries yeah, at the same time, which is a really great thing. So that's one of the biggest pluses, I think, is you get to meet people from different places and become friends with them. But also you get to hear lots of different varieties of English and that kind of thing. Also, the other thing that we've done is we, you know, adapted the way that we do things, because, of course, you can't use paper when you're having an, having a, a virtual lesson. Yeah. So, um, you know, as language trainers, we've really been challenging ourselves to find 
different solutions, different ways of learning using interactive apps and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, it, it makes the learning process, uh, I think, in many senses, more fun and, and more constructive. Circling back a little bit about Talk to Impress. Um, not that many watercolor moments we have uh, with clients right now, as you were mentioning. Yeah. yeah. But still, talk to Impress. What are your recommendations on how to prepare for a talk with a client on giving presentation and presenting the project, etc.? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, yeah, that's a really important thing, isn't it? You know, when you meet somebody for the first time, that can be stressful anyway, can't it? And in, a, in, a, in another language, it's even more difficult. And I think that it's important to be practicing soft skills, you know, how to start conversations and get them going, that kind of thing. Becoming a, a master of small talk. So, you know, being able to talk about simple things like the weather, you know, where you went yesterday, what you did at the weekend in a nice um, kind of flowing way. Yes. Then, as you mentioned about giving presentations, I think the best thing to do, of course, is on, on the job practice is one great thing. Uh, but practicing in a kind of environment where people can give you feedback and help you and be in a supportive environment first uh, helps with that. And, and in fact, you know, EPEN, we have something for all of these. So uh, there's a, you know, a really nice course recently that I, I, would, I was lucky enough to be the trainer on socializing in English yeah so um, it looked only not only at the strategies of socializing and building rapport but also all the language which is impressive so I think that was really good and also there are you know on business English courses we can also practice our presentation skills or any skills that we might need at a meeting yeah when you're giving an update you know using MS Teams <laughs> it's kind of this is how we function these days yes Yeah, we try to prepare everybody as much as possible for all of these realities that they face. So when they go back out into the into the real world and in, in, in the workplace, that they can feel confident, um, which I think is one of the biggest challenges. Feeling confident enables you to do a lot more. Yeah. So building confidence and having that feeling of it is also a key element of functioning in English. Maybe we can also have help our potential e-palmers. And what would be your suggestions about job interview? How to pass the job interview successfully? How to communicate successfully? I mean, I think that um, that's a very good question. You know, preparing for a job interview I think, yeah, obviously there's very basic things like doing your research well, you know, researching the company. And in terms of the actual, you know, quite often they're going to be in English, aren't they, the, these interviews? So I think that if you have the opportunity to kind of brush up, you know, in some kind of a lesson scenario or have somebody that can go through an interview scenario with you, then that's a really good thing. And also there are lots of sources on, you know, YouTube um, from you know, trusted sources, I would go for something from the BBC language learning. I always love that. Um, and they have tips and phrases that you can use and you can learn those, you know, at home and practice using them. Yeah. Ideally, I would say, you know, try to get somebody that you can brush up with, with your skills and do like a, <laughs> a scenario or two. And another thing is try to get as much contact with authentic English as you can by just listening to something like, um, you know, the BBC is what I tend to listen to to improve my English. 
and just do it even if you're not concentrating it will come out of your mouth it sounds strange but with English what goes in your ears comes out of your mouth so don't have any doubts with that you just have to be persistent you know the means if you want to get good level of English then you must work abroad or be immersed with the natives and you can do it on your own so basically is that what I was thinking about with the authentic talk what would you say to that yeah I'm so glad you've brought up that subject to be honest with you because it's such a key one and um, yeah I think that you know as humans we have this tendency sometimes to think oh you know I could be better if I was in a different place or if I had this I had that then I would be able to do something but very often the truth is well more, more than very often the truth is that we have everything that we need here and now yeah and amazing it's absolutely amazing to what level in, of English people get to never having been to an English speaking country yeah and I've met so many of them you know they they just really consistent in their learning path and um you know they practice everything on a regular basis so they'll be listening to things they'll be doing reading they'll be doing speaking to somebody they'll be doing writing and gosh you know a lot of them actually speak English much better than a lot of people from my country and including me <laughs> so you really don't need to go there to be honest of course if you can go there that's lovely but I would I would actually think that you're probably more likely to become like a native speaker uh, if that's what you want to be like, you know, at home. I love the idea we have everything we need right now. It's, you know, it's amazing. Moving to the next one. So mm. I also love this one, you know, fluent speakers don't make mistakes. You understand everybody when you're fluent. And once again, you don't have to do anything. You just stay on this fluency level and that's all. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. I'm just thinking because, you know, my, my English is reasonably fluent and I definitely still make mistakes. Yeah, I think that sometimes, you know, we can think if we're really, really fluent, then maybe people might um, understand us better. But we also need to focus on other things like our grammar. Yeah, that's very important to be able to have the structures in the right place so that our fluency can be understood in the best way. Yeah. So um, I think it's a little bit of a myth. It is, of course, an important thing that everybody wants to achieve, but we shouldn't focus on it only uh, and neglect other things. But then on the other hand, you know, as I can say, somebody who's been learning Polish, that, you know, Polish has very difficult grammar. Yeah. And sometimes when I was learning grammar so much that my fluency kind of got much slower. So I think you know, the bottom line is like there needs to be some kind of a balance between all the different elements of learning English. And that way we'll have the best results. Balance. I love that. And the question would be how to achieve it. You're mentioning yeah, grammar, pronunciation, listening skills, comprehension, writing skills. Yeah. How to balance exactly. that? Well, I think that we all have our own timetable in life and we have our own um, different responsibilities. You know, I think that just doing a few minutes, like one day you could decide to do right. Today I'm going to do a little bit of listening and listen to a six minute podcast or something like this. The next day you could, you know, go to an online, you know, grammar website, a good one 
and you know practice that for five minutes then you know writing of course you can practice writing it'd be good to have somebody to check it yeah speaking if you if you're unable to go to lessons then you can find somebody to speak with of course but you know I mean as a language trainer I really do see that the best way is to join a course at least of for a good part of your language learning progress and that way you can kind of not fall into traps yeah it seems that we are really debunking everything here you've started mentioning it a few times already so Mm -hmm. let's dive into that you should be constantly challenged to master english yeah i think that is a bit of a myth isn't it because i think that if you feel challenged all the time you might start to feel a bit weak (laughs) when it's that's not going to help your learning process is it (laughs) Yeah, Mm. it's important to go at a sensible pace, though, isn't it? Yeah, because I think that sometimes when we start, you know, learning something new, we can do lots and lots and lots of it and make good progress in the beginning. And then, as we talked about earlier, you can reach a bit of a plateau. Yeah. So I think it's part of this, um, you know, challenging yourself constantly. I think it is a bit of a myth because you need to be not over hard on yourself at the same time. In a sense, we need to become like masters of encouraging ourselves because, you know, to learn a language, you you do need courage, like for a lot of things in life. Yeah. So I think this is an important aspect to kind of, you know, cheer yourself up, (laughs) be nice to yourself, have like positive self-talk in your head about your progress as well. Yeah. So self-encouragement, don't give in to those, you know, negative Oh, I can't do it or it's too difficult kind of language that we say to ourselves sometimes. Yeah. Is that uh, the way you continue mastering Polish? Definitely. I mean, I think that even though I've been, you know, speaking Polish for like almost like two decades, I do sometimes have days when, you know, I'm speaking it and somehow it just doesn't seem to go as well as I would like it to. But I think to myself, well, today is today and tomorrow is tomorrow. And so, You have to be able to just put that day behind you and tomorrow's a new day. And very often we'll find that if we can do that, that the next day is is much better. And then we kind of get onto this positive, like psychological flow of language learning where, you know, when we feel positive about it and positive about our progress, we're able to do it much better. So it's a bit of a funny, yeah, it's a challenge of the self, really, I think, fundamentally. That's what I would say. And maybe the last thing I would ask you about the professional side of English once again. So how to get vivid terminology related to IT industry that will help you feel more comfortable in your professional field? I guess these days quite often when we're learning some kind of IT related topic that quite a lot of the um, materials are in English. And I've met a lot of people that, for example, uh, they read a book uh, written in English on their topic. Yeah. And this helps them immensely. And also, you know, tech talks as well. This will also help us get the right language and, uh, you know, pronunciation for those. So that's what I would recommend you do if you're feeling a little bit uneasy about talking about, you know, your job role. And 
I think with this one, we have the missed banking part ready. And there's a fun question, Rachel, how many cups of coffee do you drink throughout a normal working day? And cups of tea, of course. Yeah, you know, that's a very good question because, you know, I cheat a bit. I don't put something in it, um, but I do mix it with decaffeinated coffee. But I guess it counts as coffee, doesn't it? So when it comes to coffee with a mix of decaffeinated, then two, one or two. And tea, like also traditional English tea can be incredibly strong. So it's got a lot of tea in the tea bag and um, you have to be quite careful <laughs> with it. Right. So probably one and not more. Right. The mix of the two. It's a bit like rocket fuel. <laughs> and, you know, one of my favorite questions I ask each and every time my co-host, what would be your three in one recommendation? A book, a movie and a city that impressed you so far? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, Krakow is definitely a lovely city worth visiting. But you have to be very careful because I came here for like nine months. And uh, look how it turned out. Yeah, well, exactly. So, you know, if you come to visit Krakow, you have to be kind of strong and make sure that you go back home again. It is considered to be one of the <laughs> most beautiful cities in Poland and in Central Europe, right? Yes, it's a lovely place. It's a medieval um, city. It's got um, one of the largest or the largest medieval uh, square uh, in Europe. And, you know, there's a university is um, among the oldest And, you know, apart from that, it's got a lovely river and a castle with a dragon in it. And, you know, you can walk around there and, you know, you never get bored of, of, oh. of Krakow and its history. Yeah. Well, we are in, located in Prague, so you're making us envy. Have you been to Prague? And, you know, I love Prague. It's like Krakow, but bigger. You know, it, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's one place. <laughs> I've been really wanting to go back to again. I went in 2019 and my, me and my husband, we decided that we were going to go last year. But of course we haven't. So I um, can't wait to come to Prague. So, okay, it was Krakow, a book and a movie. Oh, and a movie. Oh, you know, I'm not very good with movie names. I tell you, it's not a movie, but actually some kind of complete form of escapism that I've got into during this um, whole pandemic thing. And it's a series. It's um, a fantasy series called Once Upon a Time. And it's not actually not so new now, but it takes you to this fantasy world. <laughs> and it's got all these different, all the histories of the different um you know, nursery rhymes, myths from all different cultures and this kind of thing. And the thing I like about it is you never know what's going to happen because it's got magic in it. Yeah. So unlike something like Agatha Christie, things can completely turn on their head at any moment. And it's just the best form of escapism. <laughs> That's so lovely. Thank you for that recommendation. And what about a book? Would it be Agatha Christie? You know, murder mysteries, I don't tend to read those so much um, because they're kind of a bit they're a bit frightening aren't they yeah these days I don't get to read so many novels but um I do have uh one that I was given which I really like called I think in English it's Master and um Margarita and it's oh, got really? a cat in it which of course yeah. is a, a big thing for me because I have a cat oh thank you so much for the mentioning that so basically Bulgakov and Master and Margarita that is a very interesting choice and dear Rachel is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners um Yeah, I mean, I just like to say that I think that in the, in these difficult times that we have, you know, because things aren't quite as normal as, as they were before, I think that 
you know, what I've started doing is like focusing on it as an opportunity to help myself bring out my potential and other people too. And just to dig a bit deeper and kind of it gives you an opportunity to look at life from a bigger perspective, doesn't it? You know, so we can always find positives in things. And I think that, you know, we've got a big opportunity for that now. So that's what my kind of words I would share would be is that hope is a decision and that, you know, we create our future. Yeah. So that's my final thoughts. Deep ones for morning, I think. Thank you so much, Rachel. It was really inspiring. I would say that there are a lot of takeaways from today's talk. And I would try to concentrate on the three most important ones. The first one would be maybe that still coding and English uh, have a lot in common. And though we are not experts, it seems that um, maybe they may look a little bit different on the page. Coding and spoken language share many similarities. For example, they are both used to share information. They have clear logic and uh, you want become fluent in a day in English coding. The second takeaway would be that it helps to feel confident and to try to find balance in uh, using English at work. So it's a good idea probably to have six minutes a day listening to a podcast and next day you're just chatting with your native speaking colleague or you're doing something with passion. And if you find your passion and combine it with the passion in English, then it would <clears throat> really bring a lot. And the third takeaway would be that we have everything we need. And sometimes it's a good idea to challenge yourself. And uh, I would like to thank you, Rachel, for this amazing talk and i would like to thank everyone for listening to our podcast and as usual stay tuned to our next episode thank you so much and goodbye thank you very much it's been wonderful bye bye take care everybody